0: Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scrolls and loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. This is John the Revelator. John who's on the Isle of Patmos. And so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who had sat on the throne sake of time, I'll stop there. Verse 6, I want you to notice what it says. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, listen to what John said. He said, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. He said, I looked and I saw a lamb standing, although it had been slain. I want to teach to you this morning for a few moments on this title Slain, but still standing. Slain, but still standing. The scripture tells us here, this is John, who's describing this scene, what's taking place here in Revelation chapter 5. Don't have time to dig in it, but Revelation is not a doomed book. Revelation is actually a glorious book. Revelation reminds us what shall happen, what will happen, but Revelation also sums up and reminds us as believers and those who are of faith in Christ that we win in the end. I said, we win in the end. Come on, I need a big amen there. I, I, I can dive in it, you know, chapter by chapter, but that's not my assignment today. But I want to encourage you. Most people, ooh, revelation. No, 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 no. Hey, revelation. That's what it is. It's progressive. It's revelation of what we look forward to in the end. Because God said, it's a fixed fight if you're on my side. The Bible said that there was a scroll, the scripture said, and and during John's time, there were no printed books, there were no iBooks, there were no Kindles, if I could say that, iPads or cell phones, but they had scrolls, and they were manuscripts that were written upon both sides and rolled up together, and they were sealed with these seven seals. The seven seals indicated on this particular scroll the importance of the contents, the contents of that seal. As each seal is broken, it represents a progressive revelation or continual things that would happen. Understand this seal was complete, it was finished, it was full. Nothing needed to be added, nothing to be taken away. Understand this scroll, if I would break it down to you, help you understand the importance of it. It was considered as the title deed of the earth. It was represented represented dominion over earth. If you remember back in the book of Genesis, the Bible said that that when Adam and Eve yielded to the plots and plans and the schemes of the enemy, that dominion that was first given to humanity was forfeited. And when they they fell and sinned and fell, earth's title deed in that particular situation was forfeited. And who is worthy to come, this angel is saying, Who is worthy to come to break open these seals? Who's worthy to come and open all the progressive things that shall happen in the earth? In other words, who is worthy to come and restore and redeem and actually put back what God intended from the beginning when it comes to humanity? The Bible said this in Revelation 2 in our text. Notice what he said. The angel stood with a loud voice. He said, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? In other words, one translation put it like this. Who is morally fit to read the text of this scroll and to carry out all that is necessary to redeem the earth? Understand, they search high, they search low. They search heaven, they search the earth, they search underneath the earth. Understand that there was no human being on earth. I want to say there was no angel of all the great men and God that we read throughout the Scripture who had mighty feats and done great things for the kingdom of God that God used in powerful and tremendous ways. We can start all the way from the Old Testament, come through the New Testament and talk about the prophets, the kings, and the judges. But unfortunately, it don't matter all the mighty things that they did and God used them to do when it came to this particular situation, none of them were worthy to open up the scroll. And the Bible said this in Revelation chapter 5. Notice what the results were. John, in his response, after there was a search, after there was a looking, the Bible said, John, realized how important this was. John understood the necessity of things; these things taking place and happening. And the Bible said when there was no one that seemingly could be found to open up the scrolls, the scripture said, John wept. He wept bitterly. Matter of fact, that word weak is the same "weep." the word wept, that Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb. If you remember, the scripture said that when he was at Lazarus' tomb, the Bible said that he groaned within his spirit and he wept. It represents a deep down cry that's deep within, more than just uh, uh, feelings or emotions, but he cried from a deep place and tears begin to stream down his eyes. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Here's John filled with anxiety. He's concerned about the future. Here he is, a prisoner on, on the Isle of Patmos, having been persecuted, separated from all the saints and have this responsibility, but he's worried and he's, 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 he feels the pressure to the point of weeping and crying and saying, who is going to open these scrolls? I want to talk to you for a few moments because... Sometimes the issue with John is that he knew what was going to happen, but he wasn't seeing what he knew was going to happen, happening. Have you ever been in life or on this journey where you knew what was supposed to be happening wasn't happening? When everything around you, I'm going to preach, doesn't look like what God promised you. Matter of fact, it looks like the exact opposite. He promised me abundance, but I'm dealing with lack. He promised me healing, but I'm battling sickness. He promised me goodness and joy, but I'm feeling the the, the fears, the anxieties, the worries, and the pressures of life. In life, I believe all of us at some point will journey through a season where it seems like nothing is resembling the promise in the natural. But I want to encourage you this morning because the scripture said this, and it doesn't tell how long it was and what kind of space of time it was. But the Bible said this. There came another loud voice. Somebody say a second voice. And the scripture said that it thundered and it said, John, weep not, behold. I'm going to say that again. Weep not and Behold. In other words, John had a a time or a season, I can't put a number or seconds or minutes or even days when it was that he was going through a period of weeping. But then there came another time that a voice said, weep not. In other words, the weeping had come to an end. And I want to preach to you the Word of God just like God came down when I, when I, when when the Scripture said that when Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, that when Hezekiah was stricken with sickness, the Scripture said that, and God told him that you're going to surely die and to set your house in order, but he turned to, the Bible said, his face to the wall and began to pray and began to remind God that all that he'd done to glorify and honor his name and before the prophet could get out of the front yard the scripture said God spoke to him he said go back and tell Isaiah here are the words he told him he said I have heard your cries and I have seen your tears and I'm going to add 15 more years to your life and I come to preach this morning this right here that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning the Bible said in the book of Psalms that our tears that our tears that God hears here is the voice of our weeping. Your tears has a language that God understands. Your tears can be translated in heaven. I don't know about you, there's times that I've been in places where I didn't have the words to speak. I didn't know what to articulate and say. All I would do is hold my hands up with tears streaming down my face, but now I understand through the word of God that even though my mouth may be silent, my my tears are screaming in heaven. And God said, I hear the tears of my children. Somebody's been weeping. Somebody's been crying. Somebody's been going through a tough time, but I'm sitting here this morning to tell you that God has not forgotten about you. He's heard your cries. He has seen your tears. And the Bible said, though they that sow in tears are going to reap in joy, you're going to come on somebody. Sometimes you got to go through a season of crying, but God said when it Comes to my people, there's coming a joyous reward, and you're gonna come back having your arms full of blessing, rejoicing. Mm. Weep not. Behold, behold what he said. Behold, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, and the Root of David. I don't want to go into the line of Judah. I preached the whole series on it, but he said, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. In other words, he said the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and the one who I promised to take the throne of David and establish it forever, he is the one, watch this, that is going to be able to open up the scrolls. And I love this word because it uses the word in our text. It says, do not weep, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, listen, has prevailed to open the scroll, and loose is seven seals. Can I teach to you one moment? See, when he used the word prevail, that word prevail means conquered. That word means, listen, to carry off the victory. In other words, he said the one that's going to open up the scrolls is the one who I've given authority. Watch this, to conquer and carry off the victory. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus carried off the victory at every possible turn in his life. He carried off the victory on the Mount of of Temptation when Satan thought he was going to fall. He carried the victory in the Garden of Gethsemane when Satan thought he would fail. He carried off the victory on the cross when Satan thought Jesus was a fool, and he carried off the victory when he rose from the dead when Satan thought Jesus was finished. I want to tell you that your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is for you and with you, is victorious and can help you carry off the victory in whatever situation or circumstance you're facing. I want to declare this morning that we are a triumphant church. We're not a beat down church. We're not a beat down people. I can't stand that message. It's not woe is us and woe is me. As long as Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne and he is, the church of the living God will be triumphant in this world. Come on, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And I, because Jesus has prevailed. Notice it's past tense. It's not that He will, He already has. So thanks be unto God who has given you the victory through Christ Jesus. You're not walking to victory, you're walking from victory this morning in Jesus' name. Hmm. Can I keep preaching? The Bible said, in other words, he gave a reference, but I love what it says. He said, I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, it stood a lamb. What got me about this is the angel said, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. But the scripture said this that when John looked, he saw a lamb. Did you catch that? The angel pronounced, watch this, a lion. But when David, I mean, when John looked, he saw the lamb. Watch this. Because you cannot, watch this, walk in the authority of the lion until there's first the sacrifice of the lamb. It was the sacrifice of the lamb that made way, come on, for the the authority of the lion. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that took the sting out of death and victory out of the grave. I don't know. Is this the glory coming in here this morning or what? I'm trying to, I'm trying to not be distracted, but I mean, if I pre- is, is the church on fire? What? I mean, help me out, guys. There's smoke or something coming from somewhere. I'm trying to pay attention. Jeez, i smoked out up in here or something. Jesus, help me out. I'm sorry, but pay attention, Javon. <laughs> But the scripture said he saw a lamb. And what I want to teach you, you got to remember that it was the lamb that gave gave way to the lion. And it was because of what the lamb did enables the lion to do what he does. You see, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, that Isaac asked his father, he said, where is the lamb? And when you came to the New Testament, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb. And in the book of Revelation, all of the redeemed are singing, worthy is the Lamb. Uh, The Bible says this. There are six notable passages about the Lamb in the Bible. I'm coming this morning. Genesis, it said he was the Lamb of of Isaac's redemption. In Exodus, he was the Passover Lamb. In Isaiah, he was the Lamb led to the slaughter. In the Gospels, he's the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. In Peter, it talked about the precious blood of the Lamb. In Revelation, it talks about worthy is the Lamb. 29 times he is called the Lamb lamb of God in scripture. And I want to talk about the lamb, especially on, 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 on Passion Week and Holy Week. As the Bible said, he's entering in this week. Is he, I mean, we talk about the triumphal entry. We call it Good Friday. It was Good Friday for us, but it was Bad Friday for him because this is when the lamb was headed to be slaughtered. Come on, somebody. And the scripture said that we, it's called Passover too. And I'm going to take you back to Exodus 12 where the Passover Overstarted, And the scripture said can I preach on it a little bit this morning that the Bible said that every home was to take a lamb. Exodus chapter 12. Every home was to take a lamb. In other words every individual was responsible for taking the lamb. In other words you can't get in heaven on mama's, come on, on mama's relationship you can't get in heaven on daddy's relationship or grandma and grandpa. You have to take the lamb for yourself. You have to know Jesus Christ for your You have to ask him in your heart for yourself. You have to repent and surrender your life for yourself. You have to know, Jesus, I've been in church. I've went to church all of my life. That does not guarantee you anything. You can have perfect attendance in church and still miss heaven. You can be in church all your life and never be in Christ. The Bible said you must be born again. And until you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not saved. You are lost, but you don't have to be because that's why you have the lamb available to take him into your life and receive eternal security. Can I keep preaching? The Bible said that they took the lamb and the scripture said when they took the lamb, watch this, they slayed it. But when they slayed it, they had to do something. They had to share the lamb. It said if if your house can't consume it, the Bible said that you ought to call your neighbors and call the people that are around you and said, come and enjoy something of the lamb with me. I want to ask you a question. When is this last time you shared the lamb? When is the last time you told somebody about your Jesus? When is the last time you did more than post about him? When's the last time you called somebody and talked to them about Jesus? We as the church, come on somebody, we have, the come on, the light that people need that are in darkness. We have the solution to the problems of the world and I want to encourage you, do not be a closet Christian. Do not be an undercover saint, but it's time for us as the church of the living God to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation and we need to be a bet do a better job of sharing the lamb don't be stingy saints let's not keep Jesus to ourselves but let's believe God to use us like never before to share the lamb can I keep preaching the Bible said that they had to share the lamb but then it said they had to eat the lamb and they had to eat all of it and leave none of it it represents the scripture you can't take the Bible and and look at it like a menu where you pick and choose what you want I remember I was talking to this guy, and he said he was having a conversation with another young man, and he said... "Mm." He said, this young man said, he said, you know what he told me? He said, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to have a pastor. I don't need to be a part of a community. I can just go on YouTube and I can pick and choose which sermons I want to hear uh, and, uh, uh, on Sunday or any day of the week. So why go to church? Why be a part of a church community? And why do I need pastors and people around? And the man sat there quietly. and He responded this way. He said, I hear what you're saying and all those things are available. He said, but The only problem is, he said, son. He says, when you get to pick and choose, so basically what you're telling God, that you get get to pick and choose how he wants to speak to you. He said, because how do you know that there are some words that you're not picking that you actually need for your life right now? How how do you know that there are some sermons that you're looking over, you're scrolling through YouTube and saying, I don't like that, I might like that, I might like this, I might. It could be the very thing that you need that's gonna change your life. And it's unfortunately, if we're not careful, we'll begin to do the same thing with these 66 books of the Bible but from Genesis to Revelation we've got to eat all of the lamb. We've got to consume every aspect of it. Yes some of it hurts. Yes some of it doesn't feel good but it's because God loves you. The scripture said it will cut deep but it's cutting deep to get stuff out so God can put some stuff in. Come on somebody. This is the greatest thing that you and I have as believers. It is the word of God and I have to eat all of it can I go a little bit further I'm going to preach because I'm getting to where I want to get and I'm getting excited and I'm going to stay calm though but the Bible said this that he said when I slay the lamb the scripture said next we're going to apply the blood of the lamb We're gonna put the blood of Jesus on our house. We're gonna put it on the doorposts and the lentils, the scripture said. One translation called it the cross piece, and I love that because the Bible said, God said, when I see the blood. He didn't say, "Mm -mm." when people, he said, when I see the blood. Here's where Passover, I will pass over that house. That word Passover, it means to skip over, it means to hop over, it means to avoid, or not come in contact with oh I'm gonna preach a little bit now because see I, I, I when I was growing up I didn't quite understand but my grandmother she used to sweep with a long handled wooden broom and she used to sweep all the time didn't have a vacuum cleaner didn't have these fancy things that go on the floor she just had a broom but I, I remember when things would get crazy around the house granny would get that broom and she would start walking through the house like this and she had a little strut and the bottom of her dress would go back and forth and then all of a sudden you hear her saying, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And I'm a little boy not knowing what she's doing. I didn't know if she was singing. I didn't know if she was rapping. I didn't know who she was talking to. But now that I've gotten a little older, I realize what she was doing. She was saying, when I sense that hell is trying to come against my house and my family, I'm not going to sit back and just do nothing. But I'm going to start applying the blood of Jesus to the doorposts of my house and because when God sees the blood come on somebody there's some stuff that's gonna have to skip there's some stuff that's gonna have to avoid there's some things that you're gonna oh, come on somebody cause of the blood of Jesus on your house there are some things that didn't happen that should have happened there's some things that could have happened that didn't happen it wasn't because You were good. It wasn't because you were bad. It wasn't because you were smart. It was because of the blood of Jesus that was applied to your life. And when God saw the blood, the wreck had to pass over. Suicide had to pass over. Cancer had to pass over. Sickness had to pass over. Come on, death had to pass over. Come on, somebody. The blood, the blood, the blood. I still believe in the power of the blood. I still believe it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. I still believe it soothes my soul and calms my fear. I still believe what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17, says, there's life in the blood. The only agent that is able to remove the stain of sin from a soul is the blood of Jesus. Understand, the scripture tells us, are you still with me? The Bible said this, that we are purchased by the blood. We are justified by the blood. We have peace with God through the blood. We are sanctified by the blood. We're overcomers by the blood. We are redeemed by the blood. We are healed by the blood. By his stripes, we are healed. You know, the devil hates when you talk about the blood. Watch this. It said they had to slay it. There were some things that didn't get release until the Lamb was slain. Mm. The Holy Ghost didn't get release in a fresh way until the Lamb was slain. Watch this. Apostles were trapped in disciples' bodies until the Lamb was slain. Ah oh God, I got to stay focused. And so when John looked at it, he said, I see this lamp. And watch this. He talked about the position of it. And the scripture said that it was in the middle. It speaks of Jesus Christ being the mediator between God and man. He was the God-man. He was the only one that was able to touch the holy God and a sinful man. That's why the cross extends vertically and horizontally. He can touch upward to God and reach outward to man. He's the mediator. He was in the middle, the Bible said, because that's where Jesus Christ has to be, in the middle, in the center, the priority and the focus. Mm. Jesus be the center of our lives He's the mediator, watch this, because no man can come into the Father except through Jesus Christ. You cannot come to the Father. To deny Christ is to deny the Father. To not love Jesus is to not love God. You cannot have God the Father if you don't love Jesus Christ the Son. He is the only way I must. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes into the Father, watch this, except by me. The Bible said that was his position. But do you notice the Bible said his presentation. The scripture said that that he had seven eyes and seven horns. Seven is the number of, prote- of uh, perfection. Seven horns represents dominance and authority. But he had seven eyes, which represents the, omniscient, uh, the omniscience of God, that he is all-knowing, he is all-seeing he is all understanding he said all creatures are naked uh, before me I see it all and I know it all and I'm glad that we serve a God that sees it all and knows it all and understands it all because that's why he can be our high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he knows all about you he knows all about me he knows all about us he knows your pain he knows your hurts he knows your sorrows he knows your weaknesses and he said because I am touched with the feeling of your infirmities and I know everything that you're going through and facing he said he was tempted in all points but yet without sin and if there's one person you can people say nobody can really relate to me and to a certain extent you're exactly right but there is one person who can relate to you and that is Jesus Christ and that's why he qualifies to be the one that can fix you and then notice his posture can I just preach now and the bible said he was slain but he was still standing he saw the marks in the lamb he saw the marks in that lamb of the torture of the pain of the price that he had to pay But despite all the marks and the torture, this is what I love, the scripture said that lamb was still standing. He was slain, but he was still standing. He saw the marks from the whipping post, but he was still standing. He saw the marks from the crown, the crown crown of thorns pressed in his head, but he was still standing. He saw them where they pierced him in his side, in his feet, and where he gave his back to the whips, but he was still standing. All that he went through, the message said this, there was a a lamb slaughtered, but he was still standing. I come to preach this morning that because Jesus, the precious lamb of God, it teaches us that he was the lamb that was slain, but still standing. It reminds us that life is not gonna be scarless. Life is not gonna be painless. You're gonna go through a little something, something every now and then. And I'm not speaking doom and gloom over you, I'm not negative confessing anything. But this is encouragement to know that I can be slain, but still be standing. Because sometimes victory. If you look at Jesus hanging on that cross in the last hour, he looked like Rocky Balboa in the, last, in the final round with, with Ivan, the, the Russian guy. That did not look like victory. It looked like torture. Eyes busted up face messed up, blood pouring everywhere, but that was actually the picture of victory and could it be that the reason that a lot of us struggle is that we have a preconceived mind of what victory looks like. We have a preconceived mind what a blessed life looks like. We have a preconceived a western culture mind that wants everything comfortable pam- pampered and nice and neat, but yet when you go through hell and you come out on the other side not smelling like smoke that's a sign of victory there's nothing to guarantee that you won't have a few wounds and scars but come on sometimes you're going to be slain but still standing in this life You're going to face a Judas, watch this, three things if you're going to be a Christ follower. A Peter denial, a Judas betrayal, and a crucifixion. To be Christ-like. (laughs) Say, well, I want to be Christ-like. I want to call down fire. I want to call down heaven. I want to prophesy. I want to to do all this. That's great good. Because I do too. But the Apostle Paul put it like this. Oh, that I may know him. The power of his resurrection. That's what we want. Power, 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 power. But Paul did not stop there. Oh, that I might know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Because it was, there can't be no resurrection until something dies. Die to myself, die to my will, die to my ideologies, die to my opinions. There has to be a crucifixion before there's a resurrection. The Bible said after the resurrection, he got up with all power in his hand. Don't expect power with no pain, don't expect anointing with no sacrifice. It's in the crushing. It's in the pressure. It's in the crucibles. It's where you can stand up. Slain, but I'm still standing. Slain, but I'm still standing. I lost my job, but I'm still standing. People walked out on me, but I'm still standing. I went through a divorce, and it was the worst thing that I could ever went through, but I'm still standing. Got a bad doctor's report, but I'm still standing. Business is not what it used to be, but it's still standing. My children are still working on their testimony, but I'm still standing. My husband is not quite there yet, but I'm still standing. My wife may not be there yet, but I'm still standing standing I'm gonna keep standing I'm gonna keep praising I'm gonna keep worshiping I'm gonna keep honoring God I might be slain but I'm still standing backstabbed but I'm still standing talked about and gossip about but I'm still standing so mm, come on somebody the ones that you thought would be always be there that are no longer there, but I'm still standing love what Paul said in 2nd Corinthians I'm almost there I'm coming home I see the landing strip let me read it like I believe Paul was actually preaching it in 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 he talked about his struggles the Bible said Paul said through many tears I serve the Lord and enter into the kingdom through many tears Second Corinthians said, he was in labors, but more abundant. You know what he was saying? But I'm still standing. In stripes above measure, but I'm still standing. In prisons more frequently, but I'm still standing. In deaths often, but I'm still standing. I once was stoned and three times shipwrecked, but I'm still standing. In journeys often, but I'm standing. Perils of water, but I'm standing. Perils of robbers, but I'm standing. Perils in the city, but I'm standing. Perils with Gentiles, but I'm standing. Perils in the wilderness, but I'm standing. Perils with false brethren, weariness with toil, sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, fake slack. I was slain, but I'm still standing Russell Kelso Carter that lived from 1849 to 1928 was a star athlete of a military academy and an excellent student academically he went on to be a successful teacher and a coach he then spent several years as an ordained Methodist minister, and after, he went to med- after he went to, of which he went to medical school, he spent the last of his professional years as a doctor of medicine. Carter was also a musician and a songwriter. In 1886, he co-edited Songs of Perfect Love with John Sweeney. He wrote the music for such beloved songs as Beulah Land and Feel Me Now. Although Carter was a professed Christian most of his life, it wasn't until a crisis with his natural heart that he began to understand the reality and the power of Bible promises. At age 30, his health was in critical condition and the physicians could do no more for him. Carter turned to God for help and healing. He knelt and made a promise that healing or not, his life was finally and forever fully consecrated to the service of the Lord. He said, heal me or don't. I fully consecrate myself to you. It was from that moment that the written word of God became alive to Carter and he began to stand upon the promises of healing, determining to believe no matter what the physical condition No matter how he felt, over the course of the next several months, his strength returned and his heart was completely healed. Carter lived another healthy 49 years. It was Carter that penned these words. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, Through eternal ages, let his praises sing, bring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in liberty where Christ makes me free, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fail. Listening every moment to the Spirit's, uh, I cannot fall, listening to every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, I'm standing on the promises of God. Here is a man that says, I was slain for a season with a heart condition, but I'm still standing. I'm still believing. Is there anybody in here that is still standing on the promises of God? You may haven't seen it yet. It may have been fulfilled yet. It may have not come into fruition yet. It may have not come to pass yet. But all the promises of God are yes and amen. And I want to encourage you. You may be slain, but let's keep standing on the promises of God. My God, I'm going to preach. Because when I, I got a text this morning, And I don't know where she is, and I don't mean to embarrass her, but they told me Miss Sheila Gregory was coming to church today. And I don't know, and some of you might know her, and she may be in here somewhere, but they told me. But this is her first time being back since we opened for church and you're talking about slain but still standing over the last years have battled one illness to another doctors have given up given up on her multiple times uh, but we would call and check on her and pray with her and send her flowers and take her stuff and boy when I got that text I said thank you Lord because that woman have been through hell but when you talk to her she's still standing she would stand at that door and greet you with a smile And greet you with love. And Miss Sheila. Keep standing on the promises of God. Keep standing on the word of God. Slain, But still standing. God will give you the power to stand. He said in his word. I'll give you the grace. To stand. And we need it. In these days and times. Because watch this. I'm hurrying. We got to keep standing for the truth of God's word. But when you decide to stand for truth, you better expect stones. Because the Bible said when Stephen stood for the, for the truth of the gospel, the Bible said that they were just indignant. It cut him to the core when he preached the gospel. And the Bible said they drug him out. And stoned him but when you stand for Jesus he'll stand for you because it's the only place in the Bible that you read that while he's looking down at Stephen being stoned the Bible said there was the lamb standing at the right hand of the Father and I want to tell you something right now as the church of the living God we've got to stand on this word in a time where there's so much compromise, in a time that there's so much uh, trying to redefine and trying to do this and that, we've got to stand on the truth of God's word. I don't care what, they, what what's being thrown at us. I don't care what's coming at us. I don't care what happens. I do not care. We have to be a church that makes up our mind. The lion is in the middle of our lives. The lamb is with us, and we're going to stand, talk about us, but we're going to stand, make fun of us, but we're going to stand, tell us we're crazy, we're going to stand, tell us we're not, we're not relevant, we're going to stand, we're going to stand for truth, we're going to stand for sanctity of marriage, uh, we're going to stand for life, we're going to stand, come on somebody, we're going to stand for what the the Bible says, uh, male and female, we're going to stand, come on somebody, God, we're going to stand, but I'm going to tell you what else we're going to stand for, we're not going to be ugly and nasty, we're going to stand for love. We're going to stand for grace. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for mercy. We're going to stand for compassion. We're going to come on somebody. We're going to stand for repentance. We're going to stand for Jesus. And last but not least, First 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, the Bible said, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. Listen to these words. I'm going to read it. For we will not sit down until he comes. Did you catch that? You know who he's talking about? David. He said, we will not sit down until David comes in. Well, remember, David was the anointed king. And they were saying, we will not sit down until the king comes in. They were talking about King David. David. But I want to tell you that we, as the church, we will not sit down, not to King David, but to King Jesus come in because one day that eastern sky is sure enough gonna split. Come on somebody, and the king is gonna come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your hands, O ye gates, and be lifted up. Lords and the King of glory shall come in. We will not sit down until the King comes, until Jesus returns. We will not sit down, slain but still standing. Hold on one second. The reason why, don't go nowhere, keep standing. No pun intended. I'm gonna read this last story to you because there's people in this room today. that You need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. The British had a tradition of hanging convicted criminals when the, uh, when the bell tolled at eight o'clock in the morning. One day a convicted felon was escorted to the platform. A white hood was placed over his head and the execution awaited for the bell to ring. Listen to this. At eight o'clock the bell rope was pulled, but there was no sound. It was pulled again and again and again and again and again, but silence and no sound. Soon droplets of blood dripped from that bell Onto the man who was pulling the rope. The man looked up to see what was happening. And he saw, listen to this, that another man had wrapped himself or his body around the 50-pound gong of the bell and had kept it from ringing. What they had found out is that the convicted man's younger brother had climbed the bell tower to keep the bell from tolling. And the executioner and the crowd were silenced by the bloody sight that they saw. And they decided right then that one death was enough for the day and allowed the convicted man to go free. You know what we're celebrating this week? It wasn't it's not our younger brother, but it's our older brother. Because when he went to the cross, he wrapped himself around the, the gong of the bell. With your sins, with my sins, with your flaws and my flaws, in his body, he paid the price. And the executioner, because justice demanded, the executioner, the father looked down and said, this is one death. That's enough. This is the one death. Lambs and bulls and goats were sacrificed all the time in the Old Testament. (laughs) But that one day on Calvary, Jesus climbed our bell tower and God said this one death it's enough. It's enough to pay the price for all humanity that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He is the precious Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he climbed my bell tower. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.